0: What do pro athletes and the top entrepreneurs have in common? Well, one is that they are absolutely obsessed with training every single day, no matter when they want to or not, and they never give up. We're going to get into some of the biggest takeaways from turning from pro athlete to pro entrepreneur with Rachel Orpino in this episode. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm Stephen Pesavento, and I'm really excited. I have Rachel Rupino in the studio. How are you doing, Rachel? Great.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, of course, I'm excited. Rachel is a serial entrepreneur and retired professional athlete who focuses her attention on building businesses and is the CEO of Mendy. And Rachel brings together extensive experience competing and training with elite athletes and truly understanding the human body and the role recovery has in performance. And those skills have crossed over directly into business with multiple successful companies that she's ran. And she's really focused on pain relief for top performers. And what I'm really excited about to get into is this challenge of going from being in one career, one thing, where your identity is connected directly to that thing, and then really completely pivoting and doing something new, stepping out of your comfort zone. Because for a lot of us, when we're first stepping into real estate investing or entrepreneurship, that's a feeling we're going to go through. So we're definitely going to get into that with Rachel today. Are you ready to jump into things, Rach?
1: Let's do it. Ready to jump in.
0: All right. So obviously, you've done a lot of things. But why don't we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, you know, got a shout out to my family. I'm, I'm one of six kids. My parents actually adopted a seventh kid and raised them when I was a nine months old. So you know, I think being a part of a big family has had a lasting impact on me. You know, I credit so many things to them and especially being a twin. You know, I had a built-in best friend, built-in play buddy, you know, companion, one-on-one. Basically, you name the sport, it was always one-on-one. So I think in terms of like physiological development, athletic development, I attribute a lot of my success to, to being a twin and having an equally as athletically gifted twin. And then, yeah, just like the love and support that I had all growing up and that I continue to have, you know, I have a built-in network and I feel really blessed to have that.
0: It's amazing to be able to grow up with that kind of support and having all of those people that kind of come around you and, and really kind of push you in the right direction. Tell me, what was it like competing against somebody who is kind of an equal in that athletic side? And like, how did you end up discovering your own identity when you have somebody right next to you who is you know, identical to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in a second part of that is my parents. Like they always instilled in us at a very early age that we are two different people. You know, they never wanted to dress us the same. We didn't have similar names. We very much were our own people and we had our own identities. So I, I definitely give them a lot of credit for that. And, you know, in terms of Megan, what's funny about my sister, and a lot of people may not know this, is she was actually a really late bloomer. She was not like the star athlete. Don't get me wrong. She was a very good athlete. We are from a small town. So of course she stood out, you know, but as soon as we would go into these bigger cities like Sacramento, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, and compete at these bigger tournaments, she didn't stand out. I mean, she definitely was overshadowed until she was about 16, 17 years old. And that's when she really came into her Grossberg and like came into herself as an athlete and her body like really developed at that age. And that's when she was consistently getting called in with the youth, youth national teams. But Before then, like she was like scrawny, you know, she was kind of the run. I mean, she was, she was definitely talented and athletic, but like very shy, didn't have a lot of confidence. So I was an early bloomer and I was definitely more dominant across all sports at an, at an earlier age than Megan. And then we kind of leveled out when we got to high school. Um, But I don't think a lot of people realize that about my sister because she's so dominant now, but it definitely was not the way when we were like little kids.
0: Well, it's got to be hard to see your sister surpass you in athletic ability, you know, later on in life. Like, how has that kind of contributed to you deciding to make changes in your life? Or, you know, has it been full? Obviously, you guys are a very supportive family, but I can imagine going from being like, oh, I'm kicking butt every day to now she's kicking my butt at a different level. Like, what's that feel like? And, you know, how has that impacted what you're doing now?
1: Well, I think a couple things to note, I mean, when she surpassed me, it happened like at the flip of a switch. So there was a very short window there where we might've been equals. And then all of a sudden, like she was just in with the national teams and she was, she was very dominant. And so, you know, again, around 16, 17 year old years old, that's when I realized like, Holy crap, she is like freaking good. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be like that good, but I think what it forced me to do was start, cultivating and nurturing these other parts of my personality and characteristics i had always been very much into education i love school i I've, I've always been a very like curious inquisitive person and so i think i just started like nurturing these other passions of mine or interests of mine instead of like putting all my eggs in the sports bucket i think that it really helped me again like kind of drift off and and, and find these other parts of my personality or characteristics that i also really enjoy
0: it's like such a wonderful opportunity to have somebody who challenges you and to kind of get to that point. Because, you know, when you're not the best, when you're not the one who's blowing somebody out of the water, you've got something to work towards, right? You've got something, okay, well, I got to look inside and figure out what are these strengths that I can really develop, you know, and not try to hold on to what was, but instead pivot and move forward, which I think is, is amazing. And so obviously, you're doing something very different. And, and what I want to underline here is like how much effort it takes to become a professional athlete. I imagine are you, you're practicing every single day. There's kind of no days off kind of mentality.
1: Yeah. And even before that, I mean, even to be, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but even to be a division one collegiate athlete, I mean, you're talking about like less than 1% of the population. And then to get a scholarship or even like a full ride scholarship, it's way less than that. So even to get to that point, it takes an incredible amount of talent, like God given talent. Cause most kids at a young age aren't eating and, you know, aren't doing all the right things off the field that they should be. Usually it's because they have God given talent they have uh, some sort of like network of people that are getting them to these practices or allowing them to be you know in a, in a competitive environment and it, go to these tournaments where they can be seen by club coaches and then the sacrifice it takes so much sacrifice basically all year round when you're a, cl- a kid playing club soccer you, like you don't really have off seasons you pretty much play all year round. It's a lot of weekends a lot of nights so you know i want to I give a lot of credit to the kids playing club soccer to be able to even have the opportunity to go play in college because it's definitely not easy and it's a very small percentage of the population. But then, yeah, I mean, beyond college, you know, it's your full time job and it's a business. It's not, you know, hopefully people are having fun, but like you're getting paid to play. So you have to perform. There's a lot of stress that comes with that. And every decision you make off the field, you know, your job is being factored into it. what you put in your body, how much you're sleeping, how much you're doing outside of training. So, you know, a lot of people think that it's like all fun and games just to be a pro athlete, but it is very difficult.
0: Well, and this is where I see so many parallels. And I want to point this out for the listeners is between a pro athlete and a pro entrepreneur, somebody who is really operating at the highest level of entrepreneurship, and really going to be able to do amazing things in business, you've got to have that discipline, you've got to make some sacrifices, and you've got to be willing to put in the time without necessarily seeing the rewards right away to actually start cashing in on that later down the line. So what does it take? How can somebody, you know, who maybe doesn't feel like they have that discipline, what can they do to start building that? Because you know some of that's natural, but some of that's a habit that you've obviously developed kind of over years.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that there's a lot of similarities and a lot, a lot of cross-pollination between an entrepreneur and an athlete. And I think one of the most defining characteristics of both is that you're obsessed with what you're doing. I mean, it, this is not something that you just clock in and out at you know eight or nine in the morning and then out again at like five or six. And it's the same with an athlete. Again, every decision you make from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed is basically all related to your performance and how you're going to recover the best possible way to optimize the next training or competition. And it's the same with entrepreneurship. You don't have the luxury of just coming home from work. I mean, I'm at work right now. Well, ever, obviously everyone's at home right now, but Let's say, you know, pre COVID nineteen, like I'm at work. My work is my home. If I bring it everywhere with me, I'm totally obsessed with it. Luckily, I really enjoy what I do. And I think the same is for a lot of athletes. You know, if you're if you're not enjoying it and if you don't believe in the product, you know, it's a grind. And that's obviously a recipe for burnout. So I definitely think you gotta at least enjoy seventy percent of it. I've had jobs where I've absolutely hated my jobs and I've had jobs where I've enjoyed sixty, fifty, you know, 90 percent but i think that the sweet spot is like 7 if you enjoy 70% of what you're doing i think that you you put yourself in a pretty good place
0: yeah and th- this goes out to all the listeners all you mindsetters out there i mean if you're working on something if you're in this business and you haven't found something about it that you can become absolutely obsessed about you need to figure out what that is you know it's possible for you to just make a decision to go within yourself and look and find what's the thing that i can get so jazzed about that this becomes my everything because once you go all in on something, that's when you really start moving the needle forward. So, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in entrepreneurship. I know you've started a few businesses, and one of them that you've kind of put everything into, Mendy. Tell me a little bit about that and kind of what you're doing, you know, in the business front now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I guess even pre Mendy, it was Rapino SC, which was my first business. And, and that I really put everything into. That I eat. Lead, you know live breathe you know blood sweat and tears for and then i ran with my sister but primarily by myself here in portland i ran a training business here we had an e-commerce business where we sold lifestyle apparel i ran the f- warehouse i ran the fulfillment center i was going to usps every day dropping orders off so that was like true just meat and bones of entrepreneurship and i learned so much from that experience i made a lot of mistakes but i learned a lot from that so segueing into mendy you know it's not a training brand But it's obviously direct-to-consumer. We have an e-commerce company. I'm selling recovery tools. We're creating recovery tools to improve athletes' lives. So there's very much, you know, the golden thread between my businesses. And, you know, this one still, you know, eat, live, and breathe it every single day. But I fortunately have three co-founders that are putting, you know, an equal amount of obsession and work and blood, sweat, and tears. And so this has been a, a very rewarding experience to, own a company with two other people that are just like right in the trenches with you. And I would say, you know, of all the things that I've learned on this entrepreneurial path, the biggest piece of advice that I can give people is you can't do everything alone. You have to find the right people, put them in the right places and get out of your way and let them do their work. Because it really is that this world is too big. These markets are too big. There's too much to do. There's not enough time in the day You really do have to have help if you want to build something that has legs in the long run.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree more. And and partnership or building your team is so important. And obviously, as an athlete, like you've been working on teams your whole life. Talk to me a little bit about what you look for in a partner or what, what you're looking for in other team members that you're going to be working with on these projects.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few defining characteristics that they have to have. Obviously, the equal amount of drive and passion. You know, I would not advise anyone to go into partnership with anyone if they don't bring the same amount of love and passion and excitement to the project. And I would say equal amount of work ethic, right, because that... If you're partners with someone who isn't putting in the same amount of work as you and you start to get resentful, like that's definitely not a good recipe. That's when, you know, co-founding relationships tend to implode as well. So equal amount of passion, equal amount of contribution. And then I would say, I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, you just have to have a certain level of, of risk tolerance because... It's not a sure thing. You know, everybody thinks that startup world is super sexy when in reality, it's like such a small percentage of owning a startup is sexy. The majority of it is just like in the weeds, day to day operational stuff and decision making that isn't fun and isn't sexy and isn't rewarding. And, you know, you don't, hopefully, the business plan and the business model works, but you don't know 100%. So you kind of have to make sure that yourself as well as your partners have a level of risk that they're willing to take.
0: People forget about this. They think that when they're getting into entrepreneurship that it's going to be just tons of fun all the time and that everything they do is like in a 100% alignment and there's no, you know, they're not doing any crappy work. But at from time to time when you're in a startup, you end up getting sucked into things that you just think, you know, these this isn't the best use of my time. Why am I doing this? But when you're so fresh you've got to kind of do everything, you know, and we talk a lot about outsourcing and about building teams and things like that. And I think all of that's possible. But when you're first starting out, it's like such a good reminder just to bring us back to what it's like to get get started. And that, you know, it's not always gonna be pretty, but as long as you've got that vision of what you want and why you want it, it's worth it to kind of like deal with all that stuff. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the way, willingness to roll up your sleeves and just get whatever that needs to be done done right i mean no there's no task that's too small or too big for myself or Kendra or brett we're not above anything i mean you know we are the first three were doing everything and as we bring more people on then we'll be able to offload some of the work but you know i've had every type of job under the sun i'm definitely i would consider myself much more of a blue-collar worker I like to get, you know, my hands dirty and my elbows greasy. And so there's nothing, and same with Kendra. I mean, she's a farmer. Can't think of any, a, a lot of other jobs that are harder than farming. So I think that that's really important too. And I think that that shows leadership, right? Like if you're not willing to do it yourself, then, you know, I think when you're barking orders at people and telling other people to do it, it just carries more weight when they know that you're in there doing it with them or that you have done it with them.
0: Awesome. Building a team, absolutely important. Want to make sure people are in alignment. That is super important. But from a training standpoint, one of the things that I notice with professional athletes is that you guys are doing, you're doing the hard work every single day so that you can get the payoff months, years later in the future, right? And I think that as entrepreneurs, sometimes we can forget that we have to get really clear on what that training program is going to be for us. In other words, we have to figure out what are going to be those most profitable activities, those money making activities, the things that we can do every single day, that essentially is our training program. So when an entrepreneur is trying to figure this out for themselves, and they've defined what those most important activities are, what can they do to not lose motivation along the way? Because as you're obviously training and doing this stuff over and over again, and you're not seeing the results, like in your experience from being in the trenches, like, how do you stay on a training program every single day? How do you not give up along the way when it feels so much easier? Just say, uh, you know what? I'm just going to skip today. Today's not my training day."
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's the wins. You know, the all you have to have small wins along the way, which is again really important to have some built in milestones or KPIs along the way, whether they're big or small. Because if you're not seeing those wins or, or feeling them, then obviously, yeah you're going to get a little burnt out. You're going to ask yourself, like, why am I putting in all this work when I'm not really seeing anything in return? So I think it's really important as you start out in a business to have you know, some KPIs, big or small. It's important to have them. You got to make sure you're reaching your goals. You got to set goals for yourself and then have work back schedules. And then so kind of segue, segueing into that, having built-in processes or project management tools is also really important. That way you're not wasting time you know, In the beginning, there's so much to do, but as your business grows and matures, you definitely need to make sure that you're prioritizing the most important things that truly give you a return and you're filtering them through your internal process that you've built, whether it's your workflow with a teammate, whether it's project management tool, whatever it is, I think that's really important to run an efficient business. Because otherwise, I mean, you will get bogged down with all the little things because there, and you could just go down these like black holes and all of a sudden you're in like the deepest, darkest uh, trench that there is. So you got to make sure that you stay a little bit high and you're overseeing what's going on in the business.
0: Yeah, having those clear KPIs, the clear vision of what's most important and being able to continue to bring yourself back to that measurement definitely helps keep you on the right path. So tell me, how do you define success and what is success to you?
1: I tend to not put a number on success, although obviously I would like to see Mendy reach our sales targets for each quarter and each year. And I would like for us to be growing and uh, in a healthy, positive direction. Um, but money aside, I mean, for me, the reason why I became an entrepreneur is because the, the current landscape of our work-life balance, at least in the States, didn't suit my needs and it didn't make me very happy. I think Americans, a lot of Americans are very overworked and underpaid, and it's really difficult to keep a work-life balance. You know, when you're spending 40 to 60 hours in the office every week and you get hardly any time at home with your family or just me time, you have two days on the weekend to get everything done. When you add all that up, it's very stressful. So I wanted to start my own business because I didn't like the way things were. I don't like the current working hours in America, and not that I don't work a lot, as an entrepreneur. But I think for me, flexibility and autonomy equals a little bit more happiness and balance in my life. And I would love to see that for more people. You know, I think when you start taking away people's freedoms or sense of autonomy, I think that that's where people start feeling trapped and start feeling really stressed. And so that was a big driver for me to start Rapino SC and to continue on with Mindy. I like being my own boss. I like setting my own hours. I like making decisions and having ownership over my day-to-day and over my work life. You know, I want to, I want to have the feeling that I'm making a real difference in my job and with my team and with my company. I definitely did not like the feeling of kind of being a cog in a wheel. And I hope as Mindy grows and grows and grows that our employees don't end up feeling that way. I really want our employees to feel empowered and to have autonomy and you know, There are definitely going to be high expectations, but ultimately, you know, I want people to feel empowered in their role.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important to kind of get clear on what that definition is for you as it's a huge driver in making those things happen. So what are some of your keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that kind of help you lead to your success?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, mental, physical, and emotional work is really important. So in the morning, I mean, you know, I love doing my yoga. My yoga may look different than like a typical yoga class, but I get moving. Movement's really important for me. So from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I try to at least get like stretching sessions in. I, you know, I obviously, I love working out. So I try to find at least, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of my day where I can go out and get my heart rate up and get a sweat on. But even beyond working out, I just think it's really important to move you know, a lot of our jobs require us to just kind of like sit hunched over just like I am right now. And it's just it's not good for your mental state. It's not good for your central nervous system, peripheral nervous system. So, you know, for me, I think movement's really important. And I think, you know, obviously nutrition, making sure that I'm fueling my body. I struggle with that a little bit. I definitely have been known to, you know, skip meals or eat like a squirrel. My family gives me a hard time. My girlfriend gives me a hard time. So I have to, you know, consciously to try to have food in the fridge, prepare food, because really, like, it's so important to fuel your body and not just put things in your body, but like actually fuel it with nutrients. And I think especially, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, or if you're in a big corporate job, like, you know, what you put in your body just kind of gets like thrown by the wayside. But it really has large implications on how you feel. And you know, how you feel that day as well as like tomorrow and the next day and the next week's. So, yeah, I would say like nutrition and just like general like health and wellness practices, meditation, envisioning is just, yeah, all things that kind of keep me balanced. Balance has always been like a very big component to, I think, my success, you know, even to the point of like I get very protective over it and my family gets a little annoyed at me. But I think it's really important to like know what makes you balanced and know where your outlets are, both mentally, emotionally and physically. So, yeah, I would say those are biggest drivers for me.
0: Yeah, this stuff is so key. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we overlook the nutrition piece of building really great habits of doing the right things. But when we think about food as fuel, that nutrition is what allows us to think it's what allows us to go out and do this stuff. And so, you know, coming from the sports world, it's so easily and readily talked about because everyone knows that, oh, if I eat this, I'm not going to perform as well. But the same thing is true in our businesses. And guys, I just got to say over and over again, listen to what Rachel's talking about here. And I really encourage you guys, you know, to think before you eat something, like, how am I going to feel in two or three hours? How am I going to feel tomorrow? And what's the impact going to be of that? Because it can make definitely a big difference in your output and what you do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, ask yourself the question, whatever you're about to put in your mouth, like, is this actually fueling my body? Or am I just putting something in my body just to put something in my body? Because a lot of times, and I get stuck in this too, like the longer we go in between periods of eating, probably after that five, six, seven hour mark, you're going to make a very poor decision because you're so hungry, your blood sugar levels are crashing. And so that hamburger or whatever it is, those fries, that's probably not the healthiest decision. That's not going to fuel your body. and You're not going to set yourself up better for the next day. And it's hard to do. We work long hours and I definitely fall victim to that for sure. But, you know, ask just that simple question of like, okay, is this fueling my body or am I just putting something in my body? It's really important because that matters
0: what a great question and we've made it to the growth rapid-fire round where the questions are quick but the answers don't need to be tell me from an inspiration standpoint what impact have mentors and coaches made in your life and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors or coaches
1: well I think you first have to be open to it again it's like the humility side we can't do this alone there's so many people out there that are smarter and more successful have more experience so I think just like humbling yourself and trying to point out the areas in your career or in your personal life where you know you need help on, then that's going to open up the gate. So I think first you have to be open to it and you have to set your, put, put yourself in an environment where you'll actually be able to seek out and find those people. I have nothing but incredible things to say about mentors. I have had mentors my entire life. We have incredible advisors on our Mindy team. We're lucky enough to have the Oregon Sports Angel Group invest in us and almost all of them have become mentors for us. They have over like 175 years of corporate experience at Nike and Intel and, you know, a bunch of companies out here in the Pacific Northwest area. So I would say definitely be open to it and then just like know what you need because we don't know all know everything
0: that is the truth and so finally finishing on this purpose what drives you to live your best life every day
1: i think my family we definitely i grew up with humble beginnings my parents are very hard workers a lot of my family members are still very blue-collar hard workers we didn't come from a lot and you know my mom has had to work so hard to get to where she's at today and you know she's not wildly successful by any means she's still a waitress in redding california But she's done well for herself for where she's come from and so i think you know for myself and i know my sister megan feels the same way they're a motivating factor like at the end of the day i just want to make sure that my family's okay and i will do just about anything for them
0: Mm, i love that well this has been a lot of fun thanks for sharing some of your experience with us tell us where can people find out more about you or get in touch
1: you can check out uh, www.themendico.com go to our team and then my bio is there and you can write in on the website directly from the site there or you can just email us at hello at mendico.com.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, Rachel. And uh, I'll leave you guys as I always leave you, you know, remember to live a life worth inspiring others and you can do so today by applying some of the stuff you learned right here.